All right, let's stand for the reading of God's word and a lot of love in the building today. I'm going to go to Jeremiah chapter 31 and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. You guys should have heard Britt on the phone this morning. I called Britt on the way to church. I said, Britt, listen, I'm going to call my wife forward. And when I do, I want you to just have a microphone in the sound booth and just stand up and start singing as loud as you can when a man loves a woman. And Britt just was quiet. <laughs> I said, are you there? And he said, yeah, I'm here. And I said, can you do that for me? And he said, sir, you're asking an awful lot. And I said, I'm just kidding. Just have the song queued up. He said, Whew, if you could feel the sweat under my arms right now. Awesome. Jeremiah chapter 31. Everybody feel good? You, everybody happy? Awesome. Who's going to win the Super Bowl today? Somebody said, I don't care. I'm, of course, uh, it's hard for me to decide who I'm going for because there's so many LSU Tigers on both teams. It's hard to decide. You know, you're going to go for Odell Beckham or Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase or Whitworth or Jeremiah chapter 31. <laughs> Verse number one. At the same time, the Lord says, will I be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Don't you love how God owns us? Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. Man, that's a sermon right there. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. Even Israel, when I went to what? Cause him to rest. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again, I will build thee. Notice the word again. Again, I will build thee. This is not the first time I've had to build you. And you shall be built, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with thy tabrets, and you shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry like was at the sock hop last night. Thou shalt yet plant vines on the mountains. The planters shall plant and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that the watchmen upon the mount of Ephraim shall cry. Listen to it. Arise and let us go to Zion. Let us go to the Lord our God. I'm going to read verses 3 through 6 from the NIV. The Lord appeared to us in the past. And he said, I have loved you. With an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again. And you will be rebuilt. Again you will take your tambourines. And go out to dance with the joyful. I'm going to preach a message simply entitled this morning. Covenant love. Say those words with me. Covenant love. Will you lift your hands? The Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Father I thank you. For holy hands being lifted in this place today. And as we lift our hands, we lift our hearts. And lifted hands and lifted hearts are a sign of submission. So we submit ourselves to you today, Lord God Almighty. 
We submit ourselves to you, Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lamb of God, the one who was slain for the sin of the world. We submit to you. And Lord, we prepare our hearts now to receive a word from Holy Scripture. And we ask you to help the preacher to preach things he didn't study to say. And help the people to hear things that the, people does, that the preacher does not say. Give us a listening, a hearing ear today. We thank you, God, that this word preached will produce a harvest in all of our lives. And I pray a hundredfold return on this message today. We break every generational curse in people's lives. And we dismiss any generational spirit that has set itself opposed to the progression and, and the promotion of your people. Have your way in this building for the next few moments of time. Heal the sick. Restore the backslider. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Restore the backslider. Save the lost. Do what only you can do. Let the anointing be the capstone of this service today. In Jesus' name. Everyone shall praise the Lord. Can you, can you do us a favor today? Can you give Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the biggest praise you've given him all day long just before you sit down? Come on, y'all. He was crucified buried and he rose again on the third day just for you if you would have been the only person in the world he would have done it for you praise the Lord before you sit down tell your neighbor he loves me like that he loves me like that you may be seated there are four basic needs in every person's life number one is identity Identity, knowing who you are. Identity, knowing who you are. Secondarily, is security. The second basic need in every person's life is security. What is that? Knowing everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. The first need is identity, knowing who you are. The second need is security, knowing everything's going to be all right. Thirdly is purpose. Knowing why you are here. Third basic need in every person's life is purpose. Knowing why you are here. That is coming to the revelation or knowledge that you are not an accident. You are an appointment. You were sent here for a reason. There's not one person in this building that was not born with a purpose. When you discover your why in life, it's the greatest satisfaction you will ever enjoy. And then finally is acceptance. Acceptance is knowing that you are loved. Knowing you are loved. It's the fourth basic need in every person's life. Knowing you are loved. Now I want you to just lift one hand and say, Father, thank you for loving me. That's, now say it sincerely. Come on, say, Father, thank you for loving me. Last week, we discussed the code of covenant. We discovered that the code of covenant is mercy. When Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, called out to Jesus, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus has never walked by a cry for mercy. So the code to covenant is mercy. Jesus said to him, 
What do you want me to do for you? When you ask for mercy, you open the door of heavenly privilege. God is a merciful God. So much so that the Bible says his mercy endures forever. So last week we talked about the code of covenant. But today we're going to talk about the core of covenant. The core of covenant. The most important covenant word in scripture is the Hebrew word hesed, which is H-E-S-E-D. And I challenge you to study this word. It's the most important word in relation to covenant. Hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It holds the strongest meaning that an English word can contain. As a matter of fact, most theologians say there's not an English word that compares to the strength of the Hebrew word hesed. That's how strong the word is. It's translated in many Bibles in many different ways. But in the Old Covenant, it's always translated as mercy. And then many versions of the Bible translate it not just as mercy, but as loyalty. He said, loyalty, loving kindness, steadfast love, unfailing love, and finally, our title today, covenant love. He said is what? Covenant love. It's found in the Old Testament over 250 times. He said, covenant love, over 250 times in the Old Testament. In essence, it is covenant in action. Covenant in action. Someone said love is a verb. Love is an action word. So when the Bible speaks of God's loving kindness, it is often in context of him doing covenant, showing covenant, and keeping covenant. And it's all, it always contains all these ideas or concepts. Number one, the idea of strength. Covenant, the idea of strength. Number two, the idea of steadfastness. And then thirdly, and most importantly today, is the idea of love. His said, covenant, love. I don't know about you all, but I thank God that God loves us unconditionally. And his covenant of love is certain, it is sure, and it is secure. So when you talk about said being covenant love, it describes the working out of the expressions of love. Let me work on this for a moment. It describes the expressions of love as being worked out. Or you can say the relationship being worked out more than the relationship itself. How many of you know marriage takes work? As a matter of fact, you can define marriage as work. If you don't work it, it will not work for you. Thomas Kempis said these words, a wise lover values not so much the gift of the lover as the love of the giver. Not the gift of the lover, but the love of the giver. I found this concerning covenant love, and I thought 
I would recite it to you today. There's no revenue that is so rich in value, no income is so weighted with wealth, and no returns are so profoundly profitable as those resulting from covenant love. Covenant love is the brightest star in the constellation of virtue, the richest treasure in the celestial courts of heaven, and the choicest gem in the closet of the Lord's crown jewels. This covenant love was always characterized in the Lord's life and labor, and it added intrinsic beauty to his purity, immaculate sanctity to his constancy, constancy, and immortal sympathy to his sovereignty. That's powerful. Covenant love. So Jeremiah prophesies, and in chapter 3 or chapter 31, we see love in action. Love in action. Covenant love. He said, man, this thing started working on me this morning. And God started dealing with me about love and not just its action, but its attraction. Love has a gravitational pull to it. So God speaks to the prophet in verse 3. I wasn't going to preach this morning. I was going to talk, but I feel a preach coming on here. He says in verse 3, I have loved you. With an everlasting love. Do you not notice that he speaks to them in the past tense? I have loved you with an everlasting love. He reminds them, I've always loved you. How many of you know sometimes we need reminders of love? Right? When I was preparing this, Giovanna, this morning at 4 o'clock, I started thinking about us talking. And we're always talking about our love. And we always talk about things we remember. Like the first day I saw you in that park. And I asked myself in the King James Version, who art thou, my beloved? And we have these reminders of how that day went, and it was awfully hot that day. It was 110 degrees, and she was in this TV scene, and she's covered with all this garb, and she's got dirt all over her, and God forbid she was playing the woman caught in adultery. I saved her. And the TV cameras were rolling and I just swooped in. I will save thee, my beloved. I'm jesting now, but then I thought about, and we always talk about this, when she left me waiting in the restaurant, for an hour and a half because she tends to be late. And I think she wanted me to learn that early on. So thank God I was busy on my phone that day and returning emails and stuff and I just sit there and enjoyed an entire lunch, dinner, desserts. But when she walked in, <laughs> 
It just took my breath away. And I thought, Lord, if I could ever have this woman as a wife, she's just the sweetest thing that I've ever met. Boy, when she sat down, I began the process of interrogation. <laughs> Who your boyfriend? <laughs> then she invited me to this event she used to host in San Antonio with thousands of people for cancer, cancer victims. It was called Hope for the Runway. It was more than just an event. It was really a ministry to these ladies with cancer. And it was beautiful to see them wear wigs and dresses and walk the runway. And Man, I was watching her do that, and I thought, man, what a special, special person. Let me tell you, folks, it will do your relationship good to just leave reminders, undeniable impressions from the past. When she saw me walk out that one day, we were supposed to meet, and I had my long trench coat on. I stopped her dead in her tracks. <laughs> Can I brag for a minute? She stopped, and she said, you look good in that coat. It was cold outside, man. I said, I feel better in the coat. Come on in here and give me a hug. I'm talking about a sanctified pastor. But we have those little moments etched in our history that we often sit down and we talk about those special occasions. And this is what God is doing with his people. He said, I loved you with an I have loved you. Don't you remember that when you were wandering in the wilderness, I loved you. When you were rebellious in the wilderness, I loved you. When you built idols in the wilderness, I still loved you. When you forsook me, I was faithful to you because I loved you. And sometimes God will show up in a moment of time and he'll remind you of every time he ever delivered you. Every time he brought you through trouble. Every time he brought you through a storm because he wants you to remember how much he has loved you. Can I submit to you today that if he loved you that much then, doesn't he love you that much right now? And won't he love you that much in the future? If he did it before, he will do it again. God is good. Can you say amen to that? So he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Man, I won't get into the complete etymology of this idea of everlasting love because it gets deep. The first definition in the Hebrew is concealed love. I wasn't hiding it from you. What God is saying is, I was there loving you when you didn't even know I was there. It means to the vanishing point. When your life was almost over. When you were at the point of death, I was there loving you. It means to equal zero. Have you ever felt like nothing in life? And God says, it was there when you felt like nothing. You felt like a nobody. You felt like a zero. I was standing right there loving you. 
when your family walked out on you, when your friends walked out on you, and you only felt like a zero because of something you had done to disappoint yourself, to the point you didn't even believe in yourself anymore. God says, I was right there. I was right there loving you. When you felt like there was no value in your life, I was there loving you. God is that good. So it brings me to the thought of how huge love is. Do you not realize that God is really only defined as one thing in Scripture? God is presently, right now, love. God is love. To the point that when Paul would recite it to the church at Rome, he would say it like this. In verse 35 of chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither things present or things in the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. I came by to tell you, I don't know you personally. I don't sit in your living room. I don't ride with you in your car. But I can tell you God does. He's been right there in your closet. He's been right there in your car. He's been right there with your tears. And God says nothing, no trouble, no sickness, no disease, no pain, no hurt, no rejection, no disappointment can separate you from my love. I love you all the time in the same way. Somebody ought to give a loving God a praise today and tell him thank you for loving me. When I was unlovable, you still loved me. When everybody walked out, you still loved me. Throw your hands up and shout, thank you for loving me, Lord. Let me finish this word here. That's just the, the first point. That's the attraction of love. But then I thought, look at the appeal of love. He says, I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have drawn you. The word is lure. I lured you with loving kindness. I wrote this this morning. Love has its own force. And it cannot lie idle in the soul of a lover. Love acts, lures, and then draws the soul of another. If you would like to know if love is real, if love is authentic, if love is genuine, watch where it leads you. If it destroys your soul, it wasn't love to begin with. If it continually messes with your emotions, emotions and plays psychological games with you, that's not love. That's a game. That's why some of you ladies need to quit toying with boys. And find a real man that knows how to love you and love you right. 
If the lure and the lead continually destroy you emotionally and psychologically, it's not real love. Somebody's playing games. Somebody shouted with me, I ain't got time for all that. God's love is magnetic. He lures you. He says, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. I've drawn you out, and I keep drawing you along. Man, that's good stuff. You know what would be really good, guys? You took some of that cologne, and you got that post-it. I hear you on this side. Let me preach over here. And then you, you take that cologne, and you spray it on that post, post-it. And you write that love note. And you put it on that mirror right in front of her sink. And when she reads it, she says, oh, my man. And she pulls that note off. And when she goes to read it, she smells that cologne. <laughs> and she sends you a text. I got your post-it, baby. Right? What are you doing? You're luring her along. Love don't just draw you out. It draws you along. That's how God does. Are y'all hearing me? He just keeps dropping blessings. He keeps fulfilling promises. He keeps sending important people to encourage you. He keeps luring you along. You're never going to find your place, uh, a place in life where God is not sending you something that makes you want to follow him. That's why Paul said it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. His love leads us to change our mind. It's not his judgment. It's his love. That makes you repent. Repentance is changing your mind. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. God is good. And he's good all the time. Well, I've talked to you about the attraction of love. The appeal of love. Let me talk to you about the ability of love. And we may be done. Depends on if I feel like stopping. But verse 4 says, I will build you up again and you will be built. The word build there means I will set up to repair you. This is how I see it. When God is leading us along, he is setting us up to build us up. He's setting us up to build us up. Jesus said, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. I see it like this. He wouldn't say, I, build, I will build you again if you didn't need to be rebuilt. Love is a repairer of self-image. Love is a reformer of self-worth. Love is a restorer of trust and broken hearts. Love can rebuild 
what guilt and low self-esteem has destroyed. I will build you again. So when you go to Luke chapter 13 and you read verses 10 through 17, the Bible says Jesus is, the temp is in the temple and there's a woman there who is bent over and the Bible says she's been that way for 18 years. Jesus looks at her and calls her to himself. He did not go to her. Love called her. Will you come to love? Call her to me. If she would not have moved toward him, she would have never received her miracle. Some of you are wanting God to come to you. And God is saying love is calling your name. Come to me. And when she got there, the Bible says that Jesus said a spirit of infirmity has made this woman like this. Woman, you are loosed. That's what he says to her. And the Bible says immediately she was made straight. Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. That's seven words. He changed her whole life, Clavin, with words. He rebuilt her with what? Words. See, words can tear you down or words can build you up. Words can destroy a marriage and words can build a marriage. Words can make a man feel 10 foot tall. When I walked out of my bathroom this morning, I keep going to my house, forgive me, it's the only experience I have. My wife looked at me at the table and she said, baby, you look so handsome. I'm done. I know I'm not handsome, just an average looking guy, but don't let her say that because I believe it. If she says it, it got to be true. She said, you just look so handsome. And I said, well, thank you for that, babe. She said, I mean, you look handsome every day, but today there's something special about the way you look. I said, girl, keep on talking. <laughs> Ask any man in this building, nothing replaces words of affirmation from your wife. Nothing replaces it. If she would have if I would have come out there and said, she would have said, baby, there goes your belly again sticking out between your coat. When are you ever going to lose weight? I would have walked out of my house going, here we go again. I married mama, not wife. <laughs> but she built me up with what? Her words. That's all the woman needed to hear. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. It built her up. What are you saying to the people around you that you love? Are you telling your children all the time how stupid they are? How lazy they are? How ridiculous they are? Or are you looking at them telling them how great they are? How much potential they have. What their future looks like. I've learned something. Words frame our worlds. What you continually speak is what you will ultimately see. 
What you keep saying is what's going to manifest. See, ladies, I'm going to just talk to the ladies a minute. There is a pauper and a prince that lives in every man. I'm going to say it again. There's a pauper and a prince that lives in every man. Whoever you talk to, that's the one that's going to speak back to you. Talk to him like a prince. He'll respond to you like a king. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Whatever you talk to is what you're going to get a response from. In every lady, same thing. Whoever you talk to is who is going to respond. Oh, for marriages. Oh, for relationships. Hold on. Oh, for church people that would say things that would edify, that would build up, that would encourage, that would lift us up. What if you just walk through the foyer and be determined? It's, it has to be intentional. If it's not intentional, it's not going to happen. But you walk up to Jason and say, Jason, thank you for always being at this church, bro. You walk around. You make sure everything's okay. You're picking up stuff. You're making sure everything's right. I just want to tell you thank you for that. And by the way, Jason, your wife Jessica's awesome too. And you have incredible twins. And Ellie is all of that. And what are you doing? You are encouraging Jason. What if we change the vocabulary of our life? Because here's what ultimately is going to happen. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here. When you start speaking it to others, it starts reciprocating back to you. It starts coming back to you. People take note of people who continually tear down. And you wonder why you are avoided? You wonder why people are shunning you? Because they've heard enough of the negative pessimistic innuendos somebody wants something good said everybody shout it with me tell me something good where is Shaka Khan when we need her tell me something good wouldn't it be powerful if we just filled our mouth with good things wouldn't it be powerful if husbands and wives would say good things to each other all the time I'll leave it alone her opponents represented her enemies. You know, what the, you know what the people around them said? Why is he healing on the Sabbath? It wasn't just about him. It was about her. They didn't want to see her change. Some people don't want to see you change. And when you start talking that God language, they don't know what to do with it. Keep talking it anyway. Can you say amen to that? So she was rebuilt. Last thing I'll say and I'm done. The aim of love. The aim of love. I will build you again. You will be rebuilt. Now watch this. And again, you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. The aim of love is to restore your praise. And he says, and you will plant again. The aim of love is for you to get your praise back and for you to get your planting back. Let me show you what I'm talking about. He said, you will go and you, when I get through building you, you're going to want to dance again. Hey. Little River's learning to walk. He ain't really took one step, maybe two. But he got the most dancing mama ever born. I know I'm talking about my house again. It's the only experience I have. She's got River's playlist, Pat. On Alexa. So every morning, we got to go through banana pancakes. 
That's the name of the song. And all of these river songs. And river's waiting on it. And as soon as it starts, here goes river in the chair. And he's got, he developed a new move last week. Here it is. Just the right shoulder. But what he loves more than anything is to see mama dance. And can I tell you, my wife's going to dance. That music starts, and here she goes. She dances all over the place. And River's just watching her and smiling the whole time. Smiling the whole time. And I prayed the other day. I hope you never lose your dance, Giovanna. Never lose your dance. You're the most joyful dancing woman in the world. She just danced. And last night, she was dancing in the living room. And I was watching River. River was sitting down. And River was watching his mom, smiling. And Daddy was watching River's mom. <laughs> smiling. And I said, Giovanna, keep dancing. Keep dancing. He's getting up. Without holding anything now, he just started getting up. And he's watching his mom smiling. And then he got up. And he's about right here. And he's just standing there and I'm telling him, focus. Focus, son. Focus. He's smiling and he starts going. He's the only boy ever born that learned to dance before he learned to walk. And he's only dancing because his mom is dancing. He's mirroring what he sees. And you know what I believe God is bringing back to the house of God? Praise. He's bringing dance back. And how do you know somebody else is not watching you? And when you get your dance back, and when you get your praise back, then suddenly they feel, man, I still got my praise. I still got my dance. I still have my joy. If there's any joyful people in the building, would you give God a big praise? Go ahead and stand. Let's all stand. He said, I will rebuild you. Love will rebuild you. And love will cause you to praise again. And then he says, finally, love will cause you to plant again. Have you ever noticed people that's been hurt in relationship? Here's what they say. I'll never be that vulnerable again. I will never... Give anyone my heart again. When you say that, you have just built a fence around your future. You built a fence around your present, limiting you from your future. I should say it like that. You're locked into where you are. Can I remind you of something? Someone's going to hurt you. Can I tell you? Somebody's going to hurt you. You're going to love someone, and they're going to hurt you. Don't stop planting seeds of love. Love anyway. They talk bad about you. Love anyway. Come on, they reject you. Come on, church. Love anyway. They say something that hurts your feelings. Love anyway. That's why the Bible says love. He said, God covers a multitude of sins. Love is more powerful than hatred. Love is more powerful than sin. Love is more powerful than someone doing you wrong. God is 
love. Can you say amen to that? So here's what I want to end on. I started it with this and I'm going to end it with this. God's love is unconditional. He loves you all the time. Better than that, he loves you anytime. He loves you anytime. When I think about a father's love, I sit on the swing. With my dad. I was 18. And my oldest brother, seven of us, I'm the youngest, he's the oldest. He's, a, he's with the Lord now. And he died at a very young age of 42. And I told you about him, you know, he was a union boss and all that. I told you all that. But my brother was the kind of guy that was either real rich or real poor. He was either living in a 12,000 square foot home or living out of the back seat of his car. <laughs> Married five times and the woman he was living with was not his own. <laughs> and when he would get in bad places, he would come home. Even at 40, he would come home. And I asked my dad one day, I said, Dad, when are you going to stop letting him come back in the house? At some point, you got to tell him, Dad, I'm 18. <laughs> and I'm instructing him, you got to tell him. You're a grown man, son. You got to go and make it on your own. I'm telling my dad, I was, my dad's just, we're just rocking. He's just looking at me. And then he stops me. And he says, Ricky, have you ever had a son? I said, no, sir. He said, do you have any children? I said, no, sir. He said, then you don't understand the love of a father for his child. I don't approve of the way he lives. But I can promise you, if my son knocks on my door, I'm going to open that door. And I'm going to let him in. And he can sleep on the couch or the floor or the bed. I don't care. But he's not going to go hungry. And he's not going to feel like he doesn't have a place to go. If my dad loved my brother, Stephanie, that much, can you tell me how much God loves us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should have eternal life lift one hand and say this with me and I'm done God say it say it loud God is for me Get that, saints. Get it, Christians. God is for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He loves you. And he don't love you when you're good. He loves you when you're good, and he loves you when you're bad. 
He loves you when you're up. He loves you when you're down. You change. He does not. We convince ourselves that God doesn't love us based on our behavior patterns. He don't run on feeling. He runs on truth. And the truth is he loves you. Can you lift your hands one more time, both hands? Let's worship him.